Today in Business from Wired. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. Shopping for a great gift for the guys in your life is hard. Mac Weldon has you covered. From their perfect-fitting underwear and socks with real silver woven into the fabric to keep him cool and fresh all day, to their amazing ace sweatpants that look so good he can wear them to the office, a gift from Mack Weldon will have him looking and feeling his best. This year, gift-giving for the guys in your life just got solved. Get 20% off your first order at MacWeldon.com promo code WIRED. That's 20% off at MacWeldon.com promo code WIRED. Larry, Sergey, and the Mixed Legacy of Google-Turned-Alphabet by Stephen Levy On August 10, 2015, Google CEO Larry Page shocked the business world by announcing he was restructuring the company he co-founded into a holding company called Alphabet. Page would head the new entity, and Google itself would be one of a number of companies under Alphabet's control, like Google X, Google Fiber, Google Ventures, and Nest, each with a separate CEO reporting to him. The idea was to make the company formerly known as Google more clean and accountable. Now, Page and Bryn are gone, kind of. In a letter they released on Tuesday, they explained that while they will continue to advise and stay on the board, they are removing themselves from the day-to-day -day responsibilities. That's an interesting claim because the alphabet structure had freed them of a lot of those responsibilities already, allowing them to pursue the bigger, moonshotty ideas they preferred to corporate wranglings. Bryn embedded himself in X, Alphabet's long-range research division. Page also pursued his passions while doing a disappearing act that didn't live up to the more accountable part of the bargain. He gave no press interviews, stopped participating in earnings calls, and didn't even go to the last shareholders meeting. Now Sundar Pichai, while still running Google, will add CEO of Alphabet to his chores with oversight from the board.
He's inheriting a sprawling entity that's more determined by the ambitions and fever dreams of the co-founders than what necessarily makes sense for the world's most important search, video, and artificial intelligence company. So maybe it's time to assess how well the Alphabet move worked out. The Alphabet structure seemed motivated by two factors. The first was to allow Page to remove himself from the rigmarole of running the Google business. I used to half-joke that he did it so he'd never have to talk to a reporter again. Now I'm down to 30% joke. Oddly, in interviews, my last with him was in 2013, Page can be fascinating, candid enough to provide an illuminating view of his innovation-obsessed mindset. The second was to become more friendly to Wall Street, a factor usually attributed to Alphabet's canny CFO, Ruth Peratt. Breaking out Google from the as-yet-unprofitable other bets, like the capital-intensive healthcare division Verily or new spin-offs like Loon, makes the company's financial reporting more palatable to bankers and analysts. Also, by making the individual CEOs responsible for their performance of their domains, they might find themselves more compelled to make their divisions profitable. In one sense, this seems to have worked brilliantly. Alphabet's share price has skyrocketed, roughly doubling since the announcement. Could a non-alphabetized Google have performed better? That depends on whether you think the move made the pieces more valuable or whether it created a melange of companies worth less than the sum of its parts. In the original Google structure, the point of those other ventures was to bolster the mothership itself. In an alphabetized world, the focus is on incubating companies that will one day become big businesses themselves. It's the Berkshire Hathaway model, a corporate Gladstone bag where Geico and NetJets and Seas Candies are happily stuffed inside. But Warren Buffett doesn't have a flagship to nurture. Consider the VC firm Google Ventures. It originally made its investments with a strong eye towards companies that might enhance Google's business. But by running ventures as an independent entity, the incentive shifts naturally to wagers that pay off, as opposed to financially less promising bets that would nonetheless make Google more valuable to users. Some might counter that Ventures has reaped hundreds of millions with big wins like Uber, but that haul is relatively insignificant compared with the billions Google brings in every quarter. Starting a great VC firm is nice, but an investment arm that could accelerate the mature search business might be even better. One clear casualty of alphabetization is what used to be called Google Fiber. Founded in 2010, its mission was to spread high-speed Internet without worrying much about profit, on the theory that the more people had speedy bits, the more they would use Google and YouTube. But when Alphabet started, Fiber moved into a division known as Alphabet Access. Faced with an imposing bottom-line issue, Access has cut back on its initial plans and churned through several CEOs. Sometimes turning a division into an alphabet company or acquiring it and not integrating it into the whole caused more problems than it solved. Nest, for example, was purchased for $3.2 billion in January 2014 because Google wanted to augment its hardware might, especially in the so-called smart home. In the alphabet world, though, keeping it separate put it in competition with efforts inside the mothership, as some of its efforts ended up overlapping or conflicting with the work of the hardware division inside Google. That was only one case where tensions arose because of redundancy or conflict, because Google, whose own ambitions are huge, did not control what happened in other divisions, it sometimes had to duplicate what another part of Alphabet was doing. 
In the case of Nest, the situation was resolved by sucking the smart home newcomer into Google. But in other cases, duplication continues. Alphabet possesses one of the world's premier research divisions in X, yet Google now also has its own extensive research operations. Google's AI resources are unmatched, except maybe by DeepMind, an Alphabet company based in London. And what has been the financial impact of giving all that individual responsibility to other BET CEOs? To be sure, some of those bets are still very early and may well turn into multi-billion-dollar businesses. But as of the most recent quarterly earnings call, four years into the Alphabet experience, the total revenue for all those other bets is still less than half a percent of Alphabet's revenues. Now that Pachai is in charge of both the division that brings in over 99% of the cash and all the rest as well, he has the perspective to determine whether the Alphabet experiment has been worth it. Some of the other bets fall in Page's term far afield of the Google mission. Pachai might wonder why he shouldn't spin them off with a load of venture money and a promise to send back the loot after an IPO, instead of having to pay attention to them when Google and YouTube have huge internal and external challenges. Even if he does decide Alphabet was a misstep, Pachai doesn't necessarily have the freedom to make big changes. He'd have a lot of inertia to overcome. Insiders refer to a continental drift occurring where some of the divisions have become less googly as they develop their own cultures. And Google itself now has workplace issues, political protests and Me Too problems that some in the other bets might be wary of. Finally, Bryn and Page between them still control a majority of Alphabet's voting shares. So if they're happy with the structure, their farewell letter indicates they are, nothing will change. It all comes down to what kind of enterprise those co-founders and their chosen CEO want. Only they can rethink whether Google slash Alphabet is a holding company of disparate parts or a powerful entity with helpful satellites contributing to its might and mission. This week's reset may be the perfect time to wonder whether it makes sense to reset the Scrabble board of letters that Larry and Sergey left behind. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.